Welcome to Do the Hard Thing, Episode 8. I'm Jason Archer, creator, freedom seeker, leader of self, full-time student, and part-time teacher of self-mastery, and today's theme is the philosophy of talking politics, religion, and her. So turn up the volume, put down the distractions, and let's kick this off. So have you ever started down a path that you felt held a great deal of meaning for you, and then for whatever reason you couldn't move toward the outcome you wanted to create? Whether it was a mental, physical, or spiritual target you sought, it didn't matter. There was some part of you who refused to move. And this podcast is born out of that specific idea. Do the Hard Thing is an exploration in human movement. So when I was a kid growing up, I was keen to notice how it seemed most of the adults around me never talked about anything meaningful, especially in mixed company. The fact that the, quote, grown-ups who had everything figured out were scared to be their authentic selves around anyone who may not appreciate their way of thinking was so thick in the air that you could feel the tension. Like, I remember realizing this probably around age 10 or 12 or so. And for me, this was sort of an earth-shattering realization. Prior to that, I had this idea in my head that grown-ups had it all figured out. And little did I know that they were just winging their way through life like the rest of us. Now, looking back on that with more thoughtful eyes, I can see how much each adult in my life was, you know, really doing their best with the tools that they had available. And of course, this is true for all of us. We all do the best we can with the tools that we have, but at some point, that isn't enough, and we have to move into a new thought or a new thought process, or we stagnate and we get stuck in our lives. Now, as I went into my teens, noticing this adult predicament of living in small talk and total bullshit. I decided it was my responsibility to become the truth teller that I thought people were supposed to be. And mainly because I had been told that lying was not acceptable. Yet that rule didn't seem to apply to the adults, especially the ones who were there to tell me, you know, I knew everything, how to live. So my version of being the truth teller was founded in rebellion as a type of, you know, fuck you to the hypocrisy I saw. The weakness and the lies had me wanting to do the hard thing and call it out. So needless to say, young Jason was not popular when he opened his mouth. And, you know, of course, I knew the truth, at least as I saw it, behind our family's closed doors. And I wasn't afraid to let it fly out of my mouth any time the grown-ups decided a white lie was in order. Usually to purposely embarrass anyone within earshot. And of course, I felt justified in doing this as a kid because the level of integrity that I was supposed to live under was somehow not applicable to those telling me to live that way. And as a smart individual, reconciling that disparity was more important than demonstrating any form of tact. Now, I would later learn that having a bit of knowledge meant that there was a time and a place to share and a time and a place to shut the fuck up. I would, of course, develop a more constructive way of being and deliver my message in a more palatable way, but my philosophy around speaking my mind wouldn't change. So to this day, I'm probably hypersensitive to hypocrisy on any level. And there is much to wade through in the modern world, as I'm sure you're well aware. So much so, it becomes difficult at times to discuss the dreaded three no-nos every conversationalist has been cautioned against bringing up. Politics, religion, and relationships. Now, I'm not 100% sure when I first heard this. However, I do have either a vague memory, or maybe it's a memory I just conjured up, about hearing some old codgers making a joke 
about things one doesn't discuss in public during a visit to a country store with my grandfather. I guess that's neither here nor there. The fact is that this was and is part of the popular zeitgeist. And I'm sure you've no doubt heard reference to the taboo of talking about these things with anyone in person that you may come in contact with and not necessarily know very well. So, I mean, this seems to me to be a rather regressive and repressive way to go through life. You know, I think it's well documented that bottling up how you truly feel isn't a good thing. You know, and maybe there's something to that, being that the U.S. has some of the highest use of antidepressants in the world. Yet, thankfully, those who aren't prescribed antidepressants at least have an outlet in Facebook. Apparently, the no-no rule doesn't apply there, probably because the threat of physical violence doesn't exist in the interwebs. So, to my mind, talking about all these topics is a good thing. It needs to be done early and often. I mean, ideas are meant to be shared and discussed, and doing so really is what takes us beneath the surface of normal human interaction and gives us insight into the way a person genuinely operates. Knowing the tenor of these ideas in the public sphere is quite possibly the most important thing uh, to which one can be attuned. Now, I realize that's a big statement. However, what I want to have you consider is that each of these ideas has a direct impact on you personally, whether you choose to participate in the discussion or not. Because underneath the simplicity of those three words lies a whole host of philosophy, the basic operating system that a person has decided to live by. Philosophy is the root, and by philosophy I'm not talking about ancient text and doctrine. Philo and Sophia, the two words come together to make the word philosophy. It just means a love of wisdom. So the philosophy underneath these three topics, politics, religion, and relationships, will guide each interaction we have with others. So given that that's the case, wouldn't it be healthier and create more community and understanding if we had the balls to go deeper and stay there long enough to impart some understanding even when it doesn't feel good. Yes, of course it would. I mean, certainly you will be impacted by how others view their roles and responsibilities in a relationship, be it familial, friendly, or fraternal, as in the case of a business or an organization. As a simple example around relationships, you can think of growing up with parents who believe it's their job to raise and release a responsible child who is capable of making his own decisions into the wild of the world as being a much different thing than parents who feel they must hover over their child and force a helmet on him as he walks the sidewalk and is never allowed to fall or fail. Now, one of those situations creates a greater opportunity to yield an adult who is responsible and capable. Now, you'll be impacted personally either way. Which type of person would you rather deal with? The one who leaves a note when he scratches your car in a parking lot with his contact info, or the one who doesn't because not being responsible for himself is his M.O. I mean, hell, that guy probably blames you because in his eyes, you park too close to the edge of your parking spot, right? Now, that's the person who thinks he has an excuse for everything and that it's justifiable. Now, would you want to have that person as a business partner or an employee? Could you trust him? to leave the business savings in the account when you weren't looking. For me, that'd be very hard to do. Now, I know a local businessman here in AZ who participates in leadership development. And his whole thing is he won't hire any individual who's not completed a $10,000 leadership experience. This is the standard he set for having people in his enterprise 
who are both aware of how they show up and responsible for their actions. The experience they go through creates a philosophical base for human interaction within that context. So having a team, him having a team with a base exposure to a common philosophy that teaches them to give and receive honest feedback allows the business to operate in a space where individuals can be more open and honest when they face tough choices. And the responsibility of accepting emotional control of themselves when honest feedback is given. Now, even when it's very hard to hear, they own their actions and they own their consequences. Ray Dalio, who founded Bridgewater, one of the largest head funds in the world, believes so strongly that honest feedback is important that they record almost every interaction and make them available to anyone in the company at any time. And many people can't handle this type of honesty and simply don't make the cut. And of course, that benefits Bridgewater. Their philosophy actively screens out those who cannot give and receive authenticity beyond a surface level. Their culture has produced fantastic results. They, of course, continue to do so year in and year out with a philosophy of transparency and truth-telling. And Ray Dalio's talked about at length in Tony Robbins' Wealth book, if you're interested in learning a little bit more and uh, reading a little bit of an interview. But the beauty of speaking to people with a degree of depth around something as important as relationships and understanding their way of interacting, what they will and won't accept, and what they want to create, is absolutely paramount in developing any type of organization, family, friendship, or management hierarchy that works. I mean, if the underlying values and principles you need to create your vision of being in a relationship on any level are lacking, you are best off just simply moving on. If move, moving past the surface is too much for you or for them, you can waste a great deal of your precious life force on a pairing that will never work. So what about religion? What about politics? I mean, if you look at if you look hard at the two of these, it's fairly easy to see many similarities between the two. Personally, I see politics being a religion for many people who claim religion is crap. You know, they don't mind worshiping government power and want to use it to coerce their neighbors under threat of force to pay ever-increasing taxes in order to redistribute wealth to non-producers. And of course, this is done under the guise of the, quote, common good. Then I see politics and organized religion in the form of there being a hierarchy of power that in most cases can never be questioned, as well as vast swaths of authoritarianism in the fundamentalist churches, and no doubt a tremendous repressive dose of authoritarian power in the radical Muslims who believe that jihad or holy war should be waged on all non-believers. People of all backgrounds, races, creeds, they all love to mock and argue with one another online yet never really seek to get to the heart of the underlying philosophies of politics and religion and those who participate in each. And that's really where common ground can be found. So again, these topics cannot be ignored. Politics and religion are woven into the fabric of every culture on earth. You got unchecked politicians who continue to make laws that for even the slightest offenses can end up in arrest. They continue to steal and thieve from productive people in the form of taxation. They use that to buy votes with their ill-gotten gains. This, of course, is done legally. Uh, I mean, do we really need to fine and jail people for collecting rainwater on their own property, as in the case of a man in Oregon a few years ago? You got religious zealots who think that bombing peaceful assemblies or driving box trucks into crowds of people and throwing homosexuals off the tops of buildings 
comes with the blessing of their God. In many ways, the underlying philosophies of each is rooted in power and force, and controlling the actions of the masses through fear and intimidation. Because without the support of the Capite Sensei, which just simply means those counted by head, it was a word used to refer to the commoner back in the day, they hold no sway. We owe it all to all of humanity to speak deeply on these topics and explore the reality of each with measured logical consistency. In speaking with your neighbor, maybe you find out she supports Obamacare, for example, and hates big business. So she supported a man who wrote a law in conjunction with big business to force peaceful people to surrender large amounts of cash to big business. She supported this in the name of compassion and the, quote, common good. But would she herself be willing to go next door and force her neighbor at gunpoint to fork over a $1,500 a month family insurance premium? Of course not. I mean, that's ridiculous. She would immediately recognize that as theft. Yet by outsourcing her coercion to the agents of the state, you know, she's able to sleep easy knowing that someone else was giving the power to do something she would never personally do when they put on a magic badge and represent the man she supported. This is nothing but authoritarianism. But because it's disguised as compassion for the common good, it isn't given a second thought. Maybe if a conversation around what represents virtue and what represents vice could prevent this type of faulty thinking, we should be doing more of that. I mean, you'd have to be a special kind of an asshole to know how much you caused another to suffer financially and then vote them into suffering, right? And yet that's what people do without thinking. They're guilty of committing a crime against their neighbor. And these are the ideas people desperately need to be talking about. At what point am I infringing on your right to pursue happiness, to save for your kid's tuition, or to put money away for retirement? Should large groups of people who deal in force be able to make me worship or behave the way their religion dictates? Authoritarian versus libertarian. Are you into controlling others or are you into freeing others? What is your basic philosophy? Have you ever even considered arriving at one? Again, these are topics that must be discussed and considered, not hidden away in personal interaction and expressed in vitriol on Facebook like a keyboard coward on the interwebs. I mean, getting face-to-face -face with someone who may think differently than you is truly doing the hard thing. You cannot know how it will go. There's fear around the unknown. You must have some degree of courage. And let's be honest, no one here is asking you to go wrestle an alligator. I'm simply asking you to connect and communicate around complex ideas. Personally, I believe in free people, free markets, and free minds. History has shown us that when these items exist in a population, the people who participate are generally the most productive, the most peaceful, and have the best relationships with one another. What say you? Where do you stand on the topic? If you haven't yet developed your personal philosophy on these topics, I challenge you to start working on it now. That's it for today, guys. Thanks for listening. If you found value in this message, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google, CastBox, or Stitcher. Share this with those you know need to hear it on social, and I'll see you back here in the next episode. This is Jason Archer signing off. Now go and do the hard thing, people.